Come on, man. I'm so pumped to be with you guys tonight. If you're tuning in somewhere online, if you're in Fort Worth, Houston, Tulsa, Cedar Rapids, wherever you're at, we're so glad that you're listening and learning from the Word of God with us this evening as we continue this series, Bad Advice. I want to start uh, by telling you uh, something really awesome that you get to do when you get married. It's not that. It's not that. Uh, it's, it's called gift registry. Okay. There's these really cool things that they're called showers where people shower you with gifts. I know that's really materialistic and superficial and worldly, but hang with me. I'm going somewhere. And so you get to do this thing called registering for gifts. And so you get to pick out these places and like, like container store, um, you know, wherever you shop. Okay. And so whatever that is, Magnolia, I don't know, wherever you are. And so you get, and they give you these guns, right? And they're like, not guns that shoot things, but you get to uh, shoot stuff and it goes on your registry. Right. And so Monica and I are going through this routine called gift registry or registering for gifts. And I'm just kind of shooting everything. She's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, don't, we don't need a popcorn popper. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, no, no. Listen, I sit her down. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot, you know, 12 years ago. And, and I'm just like, hey, I got this. Okay, I got a strategy. Let me give you some advice. We just need to register for everything. Okay. And then when the wedding comes, we can take back whatever we don't want and we'll get gift cards. And then we can take the gift cards and whenever we need something, we're going to be rich. You know, we're going to be gift card rich and we can take the gift cards and we can do whatever we want. And so that's what I told her. So that's what we did, you know, and we kind of were going through this and we're shooting things and we're stacking up the gift registry. And, uh, and so it, it, it seemed to work out. And then just the other day, I'm going through drawers and I find the jackpot. I find this Ziploc bag full of gift cards. And I'm like, the plan worked. <laughs> this is what I'm talking. This is why, you know, you married me. You lucked out these plans, these strategies. And then, you know, it's a, it's a stack of Dillard's gift cards. I'm like, ah, Dillard's, you know, not my thing so much anymore, but whatever. You could buy all kinds of stuff at Dillard's. Let's go. And so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, man, here, you know, what are we going to do? What do we need? We could buy this for so-and-so. We can buy this for us. We can get clothes, appliances. Dillard's kind of has everything. We're, we're going to do this big. And so I, I'm trying to like, okay, counting the gift cards, how much money we have. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to call and make sure that, you know, this one's full. We haven't used any of these. I call and get, let me put, type in the number. Uh, this gift card is expired. What? Expired. What does that mean? It means it's worthless. It means it's, it's useless. There's this thing that I had what, that was extremely valuable and useful and I can do all of these things with it and now it's expired and useless and I can't do anything with it. I, I had given my bride some bad advice, evidently. And there's this other bad advice out there that says life begins when you're married here's what it looks like. Maybe someone's told you this. It's like, hey, hey, live your life, do what you want, right? And then when you're getting married, you can settle down. Or maybe you've thought this, like, hey, right now is your time to go and see the world and do things and, and kind of experience everything that is out there. And then when you get married, you can start having like really rich, quiet times and family devos and hey, everybody gather around and let me teach you the word. Like you're just gonna just know it somehow when that happens. 
And that's really bad advice. Because life doesn't start when you're married. Life starts when you begin to follow Jesus. And singleness, the scripture tells us, is a gift. And what I'm telling you this evening, as lovingly as I can possibly say to you, is it's a gift with an expiration date. It's going to expire. And in that moment, you don't want to look back and think, man, I wish I would have used that gift differently. I wish I would have done something else with it. When you haven't used something and you find out it's expired, you feel like you just completely wasted the gift. And I want to spare you of that. And I know most of you have never married. Some of you are here, you're divorced. And some of you, you can't even use this gift of singleness because you're so distracted by your overwhelming desire to be married. And I'm not, call, I'm not saying that that desire is a bad thing until it begins to distract you from kingdom building and kingdom work and what God wants to do in your life and then it becomes a bad thing. We can call it idolatry. Others of you, you have no desire to get married and you're taking this gift of singleness and you're wasting it on yourself. You're using it in all the wrong ways. You've never even given any strategic thought to why the Lord might have you single today. And God's gonna tell us through his Holy Spirit, through his word, through the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter seven. Singleness, it's a gift that everyone has at some point, but not everyone uses. And I hope that changes for those of you that are hearing this right now. See, if you're a part of the church, and I hope you are, I hope you belong to a church, that you're in community there, you're contributing there, you're serving there, you're under the elders there, then you're a part of the most powerful engine that the world has ever seen, or you're the engine of the most powerful force that the world has ever seen, which is Jesus' bride, the church. And when I think of singles in the church, I've spent the last decade watching world changers give their life to Jesus and live a life full of purpose, using the gift to honor him. That's what I want to call you to from the scriptures today. But let me, let me give you a couple disclaimers up front. Okay, disclaimer number one. The church has elevated marriage so much. We, we've spent so, many, so much time saying marriage is a good thing. It is a good thing. Scripture says it's a good thing. But we've said that marriage is such a good thing so many times over and over and over. We've made it sound like singleness is a bad thing. And the scripture says singleness is a good thing. And so we've elevated marriage to the point of, of confusing you guys. And I'm so sorry. I mean that. I want to apologize on behalf of the church, the big C church, the worldwide church that we have devalued singles. You're so valuable, so valuable to this mission and this ministry and all that God wants to do. Second disclaimer, I'm married. And so I know it's like, oh man, another married guy telling me how awesome singleness is. If it's so awesome, you know, why'd you get married? And, you know, and I, I get that, I, I get that. Let me tell you a couple things. One, um, I was a single adult who began to follow Jesus. So I remember very much what it was like to be single and Christian. And, uh, and, and I began to, the Holy Spirit began to do a work in my life, calling me to the full deployment that the scripture is going to call us to this evening. And the other thing I want to tell you is I've spent the last decade meeting with tens of thousands of single people. And so I've seen people do this really, really right. And I've seen people do this really, really wrong. And I only have grown convinced that those who are doing it right experience this really beautiful thing of purposeful mission within the church that I hope to call you to. 
And then the third thing I just wanna say, third disclaimer is let's be honest, most of you assume you will get married. Maybe your parents prayed for your spouse, your entire life you've kind of seen the Disney movies and everything has sat in anticipation of one day you'll get married and what that means is the world hasn't prepared you for singleness. You, you've just assumed that, you've forgotten this category in the scriptures that is this uh, gift of singleness and so therefore you don't know how to use the gift. And so life doesn't begin when you're married, life begins when you start following Jesus Christ in full devotion. I'm not just like talking about a quiet time in the morning. I'm talking about full radical followership. And so where we're gonna be in 1 Corinthians 7, we're gonna look at how your single status is a gift, how we need to use this gift for another world. And before you leave here this evening, I want you to know the reason that God has you single today. Paul writes this letter from the town of Ephesus to the church in Corinth in about 55 AD several things going on. Nero is emperor and he's turning up the heat on Christian persecution. And so he's about to begin to persecute Christians of sport. Paul anticipates this. And so he addresses that in this letter to the Corinthians. And something else is going in the city of, uh, of, of Corinth is there's uh, a temple there to Aphrodite. And the way that you would worship the goddess Aphrodite is you would go and have sex with uh, your choice of a thousand temple prostitutes. So you would go to church and have sex with prostitutes. And so he's writing into this culture that's extremely sexually charged. And Christians that are converts that have come into a relationship with Jesus, they've overcorrected something. They, they've seen this atrocity and they've said, okay, sex with anybody is bad. And so Paul writes that in response to their letter, he says that, no, 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 no. You should experience sexual intimacy only with your own spouse and according to God's design. And then he says in verse seven, I wish that all of you were as I am. Now, what does he mean, as I am? Paul's Facebook status would be single. He's a single guy. He's saying, hey, I wish you were as I am. But each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift and another has that. Now, to the unmarried and the widow, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. What the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul just did is they, he called his own singleness and generically, generally speaking, singleness a gift. A gift, it's, it's the word charisma. It, it literally translates a gift given according to God's grace. And so my first point is your single status is a gift. Your single status is a gift from God. And so some of you are like, okay, what kind of gift? Is it a kind of gift that comes with a receipt and one that I can exchange for another gift? And, and, and the problem with that thinking is that's not seeing it as a gift, that's seeing it as a curse. You've been trained to see it as a curse. See, like if you get an invitation, like if you get a wedding invitation and you're so, you, you're like mixed of, hey, I'm excited for my friend, but I'm more angry, it's not me. You know, you, you might have a problem. You might be seeing it as a curse. If you see that plus one and you throw it out the window because you have no plus one, right? You might not be viewing this in the right light because the essence of seeing something as a God-given gift is to use that gift, is to understand why you have it. I think about a friend gave me uh, a Bluetooth speaker like that connects to the internet, Sonos, Sonos Play One. 
And, uh, I, and I got that. And it wasn't anything that I was necessarily looking for or asking for, but I got it. It's, it's amazing. I use it every single day. And I, I, every now and then I'll, I'll be using it and I'll send them a picture or I'll text them. I'm like, hey, thank you so much for this gift. The essence of me showing my gratitude for the gift is that I utilize the gift according to its purpose. And I can show him that I'm thankful for it. It's, it's something useful. It's kind of like platinum status on American Airlines. It's, it's something that you have that you can use for something. It does something. You, you can use it. What do you use it for? What do you do with it? And so some of you right about now, you're like, well, how do I know if I have the gift of singleness? How do I determine that? After doing this for over a decade, I've learned that I can identify if you have the gift of singleness with one question, 100% accuracy. I can ask you one question. Every single person listening right now is about to find out if they have the gift of singleness or not. I know you're nervous, okay? Sad. Here's the question, you ready? Did you wake up this morning single? And by single, I mean not married. Some of you are like, oh no, I'm dating. No, did you wake up this morning not married? If you did, you have the gift of singleness today. Then you're like, well, is it permanent or temporary? I don't know, God didn't tell me. He rarely communicates a five-year plan to us. Very rarely does he say, here's what I've outlined for your entire life. Like, I think we wanna think that way, but, but it doesn't matter. Today, you have the gift of singleness. How'd you use it today? How did you steward that gift today? It's a gift that he entrusted to you today. And so when you think of gift, don't think of like little white box wrapped up with a bow. Think superpower. Paul has a, think, think gift like talent, like gift, something you can use. Paul has a gift that he's writing with from this gift. It's the same gift that Superman has, Batman has, and Wonder Woman. And Paul couldn't fly. It's the gift of singleness. It's being freed up to do something bigger than himself that, that he couldn't do if he was hindered in a different way. And he makes it clear, you know, marriage is a gift, singleness is a gift, but he makes it clear that his preferred gift is singleness, even though he realizes that means celibacy. Because he says it's, it's better to marry than to burn with passion. If you cannot control themselves, they should marry. He doesn't say if they cannot control themselves, they should play married. If they cannot control themselves, they should uh, look at pornography. If they cannot control themselves, they should move in together. He doesn't say that. He puts two categories. He's like, man, there's this amazing gift of singleness that comes with celibacy. And if, if you just can't handle that, then, then you need to be looking toward marriage but don't forsake that this is a gift. Why? Why would he prefer the gift of singleness? Here's why. Paul was ministry-minded. He wanted to change the world for the sake of Jesus Christ. He wanted to give his life. He wanted to pour it out like a drink offering for the sake of the gospel. And so he's like, man, I wish you were like me so that you could run to these cities and share the gospel like I do. I remember when I was... So I was raised in the church and went to like a Bible study growing up and church school for nine years, church twice a week growing up. And, and, and then I went to college and I didn't have any of the, the you know, maturity to go with the freedom that college offered me. 
And so what that meant for me is it was almost like as soon as I got to college, as soon as my parents left the campus, I just started running from God as hard and fast as I could. And what that specifically looked like is, is sexual relationships and with women and, and uh, drinking. It's like I stayed drunk for months and, and just constantly looking for the next party and whatever drug was there that people were doing, I'm like, sure, I'll give that a shot. And, and, and every single night while doing this, like I would say my prayers. I'd lay in bed and I'd say my prayers. I consider myself a Christian. And one night I'm in my twin side bed on my campus apartment and, and I'm saying my prayers and I just start all by myself start weeping crying and I'm like God's not listening no he doesn't hear me I have filled my life with all the things he a loving father instructed me to stay away from he's not listening and I woke up the next day and I called a friend that I respected because they were successful and and I just started pouring my junk out to him, like just confessing, like here's everything that I've done wrong. And they're sitting on the other side of the phone and they say, that's just kind of what you do when you're single. They say, you just kind of live your life, you know, you, you experience things and then you settle down and get married and you get right with God. What a waste of a gift. And that's why the Apostle Paul's calling us to something different. It's not just wasting a gift, it really is abusing a gift when you use it like that on yourself. The second reason I think Paul sees his singleness as a gift is because he trusts the giver. He knows that God is a good God that gives good gifts to his children. I was at a, a Christmas gift exchange once where you draw numbers, you know, and then you go in order, like what's that game called? White elephant, dirty Santa, whatever. So we play that game and, and um, it's always around it. It's always, there's always dysfunction there. It's like, what are the rules? Is it three steals and frozen? And, and, and that doesn't look like a $15 gift. And why did you spend $25? And why didn't you spend $15? And there's just dysfunction. And, and so my, we do this and the, the game's over. And my brother-in-law ends up with this, this stopwatch in this old box. It's like in this old box and, and he opens it up and it doesn't work. And he gets a broken stopwatch and he's mad. And, and I'm like, hey, can I see that? And he's like, you can have it. And I'm like, are you sure? He's like, it's a broken stopwatch. Yeah, I don't want it. But I knew his uncle had brought that. And his uncle's a good guy, really nice guy. And I just was, my mind was spinning like, why would his uncle give him, bring a broken stopwatch? Like, why would he do that? And so I went on eBay or I looked it up first and I found out it's a Tag Heuer limited edition stopwatch that was used in the Olympics. And so then I went on eBay and I sold it for $150 before I left. <laughs> and that's, that's using a gift. <laughs> and the reason that I was able to do that is because I was like, man, these, the giver's good. The gift can't be bad. And so if what you have is not good, God is not done, or your perspective is off. If what you have is not good, then God is not done, or your perspective is off. Jesus says this in Matthew 7. He says, the Father only gives good gifts to his children. James in chapter 1 says, every good and perfect gift comes down from God above, from that Father of heavenly lights, who doesn't change. He gives us good things. And so I know that marriage is a metaphor. It teaches about Christ in the church. I know that's a beautiful metaphor. I love that God gave us that to teach us about Christ's relationship with the church. But you need to know that singleness teaches us something too. 
Singleness teaches us about the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? Singleness teaches the world that Christ is enough. That, that if you have Jesus and you can go through this world and you can be content, they're like, man, that's confusing. What, what's wrong? With, don't you want, haven't you watched all the shows and this and that and why are you not boy crazy like all the other girls? Man, listen, if God has a husband for me, awesome. But if he doesn't, he's enough. Singleness teaches us about the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus. Remember Jesus, one who died for all your sins, one who loved you, the one who God raised from the dead, giving you, offering you eternal life with God, the gospel, the good news. And so what I'm trying to tell you is the giver of this gift, he is good and he can be trusted. Back in 28, verse 28, he says, but if you do marry, you have not sinned. That's incredible news. Um, and if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life, and I want to spare you of this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not, and those who mourn as if they did not, and those who are happy as if they were not, and those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, and those who use things of the world as if it not engrossed by them. The world in its present form, is passing away. What? What? What does that mean? What's he, I mean, that's, that's the most confusing. Those who are married should live as if they were not, mourn as if they did not. Those are, the sentence key to understanding this passage is where he says there at the end. The world in its present form is passing away. And so how he began, I want you to live as though time is short. The second point from this passage is, and I'll explain it, is I want you to use your singleness to live for another world. Use the gift of singleness to live for another world. You've seen the narrative, Superman, Wonder Woman, they, they come from another place down to the world and they're on this mission, they're trying to accomplish something here, they're, they're fighting evil and they're doing something good for the betterment of humanity. I want you to use this gift for another world because the world that we currently live in, it's passing away. And the priorities of this world, they're passing away. And the priorities of heaven are different than the priorities of this world. And our time on earth, it's very short. So if you mourn, and it's okay to mourn, it's okay to be sad. But if you do, do not mourn like those who do not have hope. You mourn differently than the world. And if you're happy, great, so good to be happy. It's fun to be happy. Happiness is good. But happiness is a glimpse of the eternal joy. It's a tiny, short snippet of a commercial of the eternal joy that God has for us. So don't be happy like it's the ultimate happiness. It's not. It's fleeting happiness. It's, it's short temporary happiness. There's, there's an eternal joy waiting for you. Let this happiness remind you of this. And if you buy stuff, it's okay to buy stuff. Things you need, things you don't need that you can enjoy. A, a Bluetooth speaker, it's okay. But just know that rust and moth are gonna destroy that. The only thing that lasts forever is God, his people, and his word. 
That those things that you buy, they're, they're, they're not the things of eternity. Just know they're temporary things that you can enjoy in this earth. And so you've got to realign yourself with the priorities of heaven. And so he says, if you're married, live as though you're not married. He's saying something really key here. Understand, listen, listen, understand there's an eternal family. That, that some of you, you love your family. You love to go home and holidays and be with them and the nostalgia, and that's fine. But look around you right now and learn to love the people around you right now because those that have trusted in Christ's death and resurrection for the forgiveness of their sins, you're gonna be with them forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And that's your family. There, there's this understanding and expectation that you would belong to a church and it would have this familial vibe. Like you would go to church and be like, man, I'm with my family right now, my brothers and sisters, the ones I'm gonna be with forever. Because you know you won't, what you won't be in heaven? Married. Jesus says that in Matthew 22. No one is married or given in marriage in heaven. Some of you, you're here tonight and you're afraid that you're gonna be single forever. And can I tell you something? You will be. <laughs> forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. A billion years from now, you're gonna be single. Six billion years from now, still single. You're gonna be single forever. So why not figure out how to be single well right now? Remember when they came to Jesus and they said, hey Jesus, yo, your mom's here. I don't know, they say yo, but they say, hey, your mom's here. And he's like, my mom, he's like confused, but he's like, my mom's here. Oh man, don't you know, like those who do the will of my father or my mother, brothers, sisters. Hey guys, th these are my family. The ones who know me, these are the ones I'm gonna be with in eternity. You meant oh, my, my, my earthly mom, okay, yeah. This is my family here. And so don't make marriage your idol. Don't make any relationship an idol. I know Proverbs 18, 22, I know the scripture says that, that marriage is good. I get it, marriage is good, but it doesn't mean that not being married is bad. In fact, God clearly says here it's good. And if you disagree with that, you disagree with God. And Paul goes as far as to say, with marriage comes trouble. With marriage comes trouble. So many of my single friends think that all their problems would be solved if they just got married. And you're right to laugh at that because it's, it's silly. What happens when you get married is all your problems grow, they double. And in fact, I've done marriage counseling for a while now. I've never met anyone with marriage problems. I've only met people with single people problems that they brought into marriage and, and they just grow and expand and multiply. And you think, ah, okay, well, it can't be. Like, let's, let's just compare some things real quick. Let's compare um, you going to Chipotle with me going to Chipotle. You can eat at Chipotle for $8. We go to Chipotle and it's $40. Every time we go. It's five of us. Three meals a day. Figure that out. You do the math. And tithe. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm just joking. That was a joke. Let's compare your church experience to mine, right? You come to church, you're like, man, it's, 
hate that I got to park so, so far away, you know. Like you roll out of bed, brush your teeth, probably come to church. <laughs> we wake up extra early. You got to get three kids fed and clothed. We get in the car somehow. We drive here. We play a real live game of Frogger in the parking lot, <laughs> trying not to lose a child to a Suburban or some other SUV. We get in the building, usually, and then out of chaos, we check them in. Usually, right about that time, I found, I realized I lost one, okay? And, and then we take my son down here to Green One, which is a room down here. We take one daughter to the other building upstairs on the second floor, and then my other daughter over here near the chapel, okay? And then we try to get in here before worship starts. And about that time, we're completely stressed. And my single friends are walking by with Starbucks and a smile. <laughs> Just like, you look stressed, JP. Are you stressed, buddy? I, pray for me, you know? And so it's just different. And so what, what he's saying, listen, what, what he's saying when he says, those who are married should live as though they're not, he's really saying this. He's saying single people should set the pace in the church of what full devotion to Jesus looks like. That everybody else in the church should be looking at you guys like, man, that's what it's like to be a Christian. That's what it's like to live radically for Jesus. They're just going for it, man. Like, wow, all our single friends are just loving God. Their life is full devotion to Jesus that you guys should really be setting the pace of what full devotion looks like, that you would certainly be in community and, and that you would use the gifts and talents God gave you to serve him and use your treasures and, and the money that he's temporarily entrusted to you to do incredible things with, that you would set the pace of what full devotion looks like. Because you can. Think about this for a second, okay? Imagine if... Imagine if I got a fleet of helicopters outside right now, okay? And, and we just got word from the government in Syria that we can get some Christians in there. But you gotta go right now. There's this window to get in there and they wanna see the nation just turn over in Christianity. And it's a closed country. But if you go, um, you're gonna be provided for. All your needs are gonna be met. Um, your, your meal, you're gonna have food to eat and you're even going to get paid. But here's the catch. You've gotta go right now. There's a short window and, and we can go right now or not at all. And I'm like, who's in, right? Who could go? Who could go right now? Oh, y'all didn't hear me. Who could go, right? There's a fleet of helicopters out there. Some of you are like, well, I don't know, man. I gotta ask my mom. No, you could go right now. Every single one of you could go. You know who couldn't go? I couldn't go. You know why? I got soccer practice. You got uh, Weston has swimming lessons next week, you know. Uh, Finley's doing this thing. I, you, got, you could go right now. That's, you can do, some of you shouldn't go. You know why you sh some of you shouldn't go? Because you're fully deployed right here. Some of you are my heroes, man. I see it all the time, man. I think about my friend, one of my heroes, Chatal. She's not married. She serves with International Justice Mission. Uh, that's an organization that helps end human trafficking and sex slavery. She raises money for them. She's helped fund five rescue missions where girls were set free from pimps in other places where they were abused sexually for profit. 
She not only serves here at the port, she leads a team. She's very successful in corporate America, but it's just a mission field. It's just a place where they pay her to share the gospel with people. She's an amazing aunt to her nephews and nieces, an incredible daughter, daughter, has a ministry to her family. She's just going for it. I think about my buddy Mo, man. Uh, I, I remember when the earthquake hit Haiti, he grabbed a backpack and went to the airport. He's like, I'm going, man. They need, people are dying. They need me. I'm gonna go there with a, armed with a gospel and whatever I can do. And he just went, I bumped into him the other day. I said, Mo, what, what have you been, where have you been lately? What have you been doing? This is what he said. Well, I went to Northern Uganda. I was helping to rebuild an economy with other single friends. I went to Ethiopia. I was sharing the gospel with Muslims. Uh, I went to South Sudan. I was helping those impacted by war heal with Christ. Oh, I went to Northern Iraq. I was working for Samaritan's Purse there. I went to Jordan, Turkey, Iran. I was documenting refugee camps, loving, serving, sharing the gospel. I went to the Congo. I was helping people recover from war and sharing the gospel. It's hard to do that when you're married. And some of you are like, well, that's cool. He's a missionary. No, he's not. He's employed here in Dallas. He's just going for it. He's just saying, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? I remember when I became a Christian. I mean, just like on fire for Jesus, new eyes to see the world, new lens to see the world. I went to Africa, had this incredible opportunity to teach the government there on conflict uh, uh, resolution in Rwanda. Went to Haiti, served in orphanages, went in the mountains, went in the city, went in rural areas. Uh, Went into the Amazon, to Brazil, got on the Amazon River six days down the river on a boat, got uh, got off in remote villages sharing the gospel with people, playing soccer with kids and, and having Sunday school and just teaching the Bible. And we got married and family grew. I haven't gone anywhere like that. I went to Haiti one time, had to abbreviate the trip because there was like a soccer tournament or something back here. I had to come back early. Guys, how are you using your gift? You got an incredible gift today. How are you using it? What, what are you doing with this? And I, not, I'm not just, I don't want you to leave here and like go and get on orbits and just start booking plane tickets. It's not about that, right? I think of people who just serve faithfully in our kids' ministries. They're moms and dads to hundreds of kids as they, they sit and they learn the scriptures and they teach the scriptures. They visit people in hospitals. They care for the sick. They use their time to lead community groups and serve others. Like It's just everyday faithfulness, long obedience in the same direction. They're my heroes. They're my heroes like Mother Teresa. Think about what she did, never married, but gave her life to serving lepers in Calcutta. Amy Carmichael, who opened an orphanage and founded a mission in India. I think of Corey Tim Boom, who helped the Jews escape the Holocaust. None of these people were married. I think of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who sought to save the world from Nazi Germany and Hitler's regime, and he began to recruit people. And one of the requirements to be on his team is you had to be single. You had to be single. I think of C.S. Lewis most of his life and so many others, a long list of heroes with an extraordinary gift. And why I say this, friends, is because if you're here and you're using your singleness, if you're listening to me right now and you're using your singleness in full devotion to Christ to build the kingdom, you are my hero. I'm so thankful for the way you steward your life and you steward your God-given gift and you're making a difference. Keep going, friend. And if you're here and
you're using your singleness to look for the next party or the next lay or to try to make a million dollars before you're 30 or to seek the next codependent relationship, you're wasting a gift. You need to know that. It's like that guy who gave me that Bluetooth speaker. If I never plugged it in and I just used it as a paperweight, it wasn't, it wasn't meant for that. I can do so much more than that. You're, you're squandering a gift. And if you're here and the world has taught you that you're not complete until you're married, I want you to know something. You're complete in Jesus Christ. I mean, can you think of a more complete person than Jesus Christ? Who was single, by the way? <laughs> complete. You can, who's going to look at Jesus and call him incomplete? You are complete, or at least you can be, in Jesus Christ. Verse 32. I would like you to be free from concern, he says. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. My third and final point is simply this. God has a purpose for your singleness. And let me say it like this. There's a reason you're single. You're single for a reason. And, and it's not because you're too flirty or you come on too strong or you don't make it up. And all that might be true, uh, but that's not the God-given reason that you're single. It's not that you don't make enough money or you don't do CrossFit enough or you don't have the right job or you don't dress well enough or you have bad breath or BO. It's not any of those things. It's that God desires you to use you in a unique way in this season of your life that you might give it in full devotion to Jesus. What do you think full devotion looks like? I want you to think about that. Like even ask yourself right now, am I, am, I, am I living a life in full devotion to Jesus? It's, it's, here, here's what it's not. It's not lukewarm. It's not church on Sundays. It's not, well, I, you know, I read the Bible for 15 minutes in the morning. It's, it's not any of those things. What's, what's full devotion? But that's the reason that you're single. Undivided devotion to the Lord, it says. This is the great time to fill your heart with scriptures, to learn his truth, to belong to a church, to, to begin to foster that church family. And so some of you, like, lest you think that Paul was just bitter, like, he's like reading this, and it's like, yeah, but it's just one chapter, and what does that even mean? And maybe Paul was just mad, and he wanted the whole world to be single, and so the Holy Spirit kind of turned around, and he just started writing real fast. I mean, is that what happened here? Lest you think that, I want you to know, all Paul's doing is expounding on the teachings of Jesus Christ. This is simply a commentary on Matthew 19, where Jesus, I don't know if you know what's going on in Matthew 19, but, but they're like, hey, Jesus, hey, when can we get divorced? And Jesus is like, divorce? Listen, marriage is permanent. And they're like, what do you mean permanent? And he's like, like, like it, you, you don't get out of it. Permanent. And they're like, like permanent, permanent? And he's like, yeah, permanent. And they're like, well, well, if that's true, like if it's that permanent, like in the earth permanent, then then why would anybody get married? That just seems like it really limits your options. 
And he says this, Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way. What's a eunuch? It's where we get the word unicorn. No, it's not that, I'm kidding. Uh, eunuch, a eunuch is a, a person who, who sexual organs are not there. They do not have sexual organs, reproductive organs. And so for there are eunuchs who were born that way, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. That's a really sad situation. Let's just acknowledge that. And then there are those who choose to live like eunuchs. Okay, now what does that mean? Let me just say this. Then there are those who choose to live celibate lives for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this really crazy thing. The one who can accept this should accept it. Why have we read our Bibles like this isn't in there? It's right there. It's the words of Jesus Christ. He says that, that there, there are those who live celibate lives to focus on undivided devotion to the Lord to, to, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And so that life begins when you're married, it's really bad advice. Life starts when you begin to live in undivided devotion to Jesus, when you begin to kingdom build, when you have a new mind and you begin to see and realize like, whoa, I have these gifts given to me by God, for God, and I can do incredible things with them like superpowers, and I can use my time for him, and all of a sudden, people's eternity can be changed, and it's not this kind of lukewarm, sad, like, hey, church on Sunday, it's an all-in, it's radical. It's not lukewarm. It's on fire. It's full devotion. It's that the whole kind of trajectory of my being and my thoughts and everything that I do is about Jesus Christ. That that's why I would live. That when I go to work tomorrow, I've got Jesus on the forefront of my mind. That I understand that heaven and hell are at stake. And there's kingdom. There's a kingdom to be built that will last forever. The things that I see here, they won't last forever except God and his word and the souls of people. So I got work to do. We have work to do. I wasted my gift for a long time. I, I listened to the advice of that friend. I hit the bars and the clubs and work hard. And it was like wash, rinse, repeat. <laughs> You know, because sin robs you of creativity. I've said that before. It really does. Like I would dream about, like, I'm going to backpack through Europe one day. But tonight, let's go to the bar and get wasted. Because that's life. And you wake up from that bad dream one day and you're like, really, wow, I wasted my life. That's, that must be why they call it wasted, you know. I wasted my life. A lot of bar tabs. And I was at a bar one time and somebody invited me to church. And I sat in the back row hungover. And I started wrestling with who is this Jesus character. All my life I had heard about him. I even said that I believed in him. But until I gave my life to him, only then did I find purpose and meaning in life. And my life began before I met my wife or before I married my bride. When I was in right relationship to Jesus, that's when life started. And some of you, you're here and you're like, I'm just gonna struggle, man, until I'm married. It's okay to want to be married. It's not okay when that becomes a distraction from your purpose. And so if you're here and you're like, man, I'm going I'm to struggle with porn until I'm married. When you get married, you'll be what you call an adulterer. And some of you are like, well, man, I'm just, you know, 
I'm gonna struggle until I'm married. I'm, I'm gonna party until I'm married. In marriage, you're called an alcoholic. And some of you are like, well, I'm just gonna date around until I'm married, man. I'm just gonna keep dating around until I'm married. In marriage, you're called divorced. You're training for something, see? You're gonna do more of then what you do now. And so why not live full devotion right now? In summary, see your single status as a gift. Use it to live for another world. And understand God's purpose in this gift. I found identity in relationships my entire life until I found the one relationship that mattered most. The other day, my four-year-old, his name is Weston, he's a really cute kid. He comes home from preschool and he says this, he's funny, he just has, says funny things. He's like, Daddy, we gotta talk. And I'm like, okay. He's like, no, 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 sit down. <laughs> All right? I sit down and he like looks at me real serious. He's like, Daddy, I'm gonna marry Isabella. And I'm like, how much you wanna bet, you know? And just think about how ridiculous it would be. Like if I just was like, man, really? Man, we should get on planning that, you know? And tell, you know, let's, let's talk about that. And, and, and just because it would, think about how much of his life would be wasted on that reality. He's four years old. Think about your own life and how many relationships you've been in and out of. Not just relationships. Think about how much community group time you've gathered and it's like the Bible's there. But wait, 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 let me tell you about this date. Let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what he did. Let me tell you what he did. I met this girl. I met this girl. Think about how much time you've wasted laying in bed, controlling your emotions up and down and up and down and highs and lows, back and forth, just constantly obsessing about relationships and the opposite sex. It's okay to desire to be married. One day you probably will be. But don't let it rob you of your purpose right now. Here's why I tell you that. Did you know that, that people don't even know if, scholars don't know if Paul was ever married. And the majority of biblical scholarship believes that he was married at some point. We know right here he was single but that maybe his wife had died or something had happened. That's what a lot of people think. Well, but the reason we don't know is because of all the letters and all the things that we have perfectly preserved from the Apostle Paul that he wrote, none of them tell us. Why? Because there was another relationship to him that he saw as ultimate. And, and you've got this book, it's, it's all about relationships, but, but the ones that are about marriage, it's like maybe that much. It's about another relationship. And what I'm trying to tell you is everybody here, one day, much sooner than you think, you're going to die. And you're gonna meet Jesus face to face. And in that moment, it's going to be this sober reality of what relationship mattered most. You're like, oh, it's Jesus. You mattered most. I wish I could live. I don't know if there's regrets there. I, don't, I doubt there is, but if there were, it'd be like, I wish I could live every other relationship in light of this relationship that I would have lived radically and completely sold out for you because I'm gonna be with you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever now. And that was really just training for being with you forever and ever and ever and ever and ever now. And what's not gonna happen, none of you, nobody, I promise, not one of you is gonna be like, yo, Jesus, what was up with that, man? You didn't want me to get married or what? 
Like you didn't want some dude to cross my path or some girl to cross my, like why, why did you keep me single? Jesus, did you not realize I was 33 years old and single? He's just gonna be like, I can relate. So was I, you know, <laughs> right? I mean, nobody's gonna say that. Nobody's gonna say that. And if that relationship is gonna matter most then, why, not, why does it not matter most now? In the same way, I remember, like, in, the, in not even the same way, it's a silly illustration, but similarly, when that automated 800 number said, I'm sorry, this gift card is expired, that's what's gonna happen. I do, I do, season expired. It's done. How'd you use it? What did you do with it? Whose lives were changed because of it? Who is free because of it? What is there because of it? What kingdom's been built because of it? It's gone now, it's expired. How'd you use it? Let me pray you'd use it. And Father, thank you so much just for the words of your servant, Paul, for the gospel, for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for our sins, who was complete in every way, God. Father, help us not to listen to the lies of this world. Father, for my friends here that desire marriage, I pray that you would bring a God-fearing person into their lives in your perfect timing. And until that moment, Lord, that you would align their hearts with your will, that they would leave, live completely and radically unleashed for you. And Father, for those that can't sleep at night, they're wrestling because they think about just wanting that so bad and they feel like I haven't even been on a date or all I date is losers or whatever. The lie is, God, that you would just replace that lie with truth, that you're enough. God, would you convince us that you're enough and help us to walk that fine line of wanting a spouse and even looking for a spouse, but not idolizing marriage and not missing out on using the gift of our singleness. Father, thank you for this ministry and all that you've done through it and all that you're doing through it. Would you just continue, that's all we ask. Would you just continue to do what you do in spite of us? In Christ's beautiful, amazing name, amen.